Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf and Simon. And we're on and this is Three Yards Per Carry. This is a preview of the Houston Texans, Miami Dolphins game from this Sunday. But as always, we are brought to you by Manscaped. Use promo code 5RSN, get 20% off your entire order, plus free shipping. BetterEdge.com. Use BetterEdge.com slash the number five reasons, and you get a $25 sign-up bonus. And, of course, prize picks. Go to promo code prize picks. Use prom, uh, promo code five for prize picks. You deposit $100, you get $100 as a sign-up bonus. It's a one-time rollover, which means you bet it through once, you get $100. It's a free $100. Just take it. Promo code 5, F-I-V-E. All right, Simon. It's almost, uh, it's before uh, Thanksgiving here. And the Dolphins are playing the, the Texans on, on Sunday. And I don't think, you know, like I don't, how much are we going to read into this game? You know, but we'll talk about it a little bit here in the second half of this show. But in the first half of the show, this team is going to go under some some changes if they haven't already, namely on the defensive side of the ball that we kind of saw already against the Cleveland Browns. Like, gone is going to be a lot of those zero blitz looks. They're going to try to accentuate what they have in that front set, that front seven, namely the the pass rushers that they have, Melvin Ingram, Bradley Chubb, Jalen Phillips. They're going to try to accentuate what they do best and get away from the gimmicks. I guess the Browns, they kind of unveiled a new... A kind of a new attack because it was more balanced than it's been all season. They run the ball evidently now, although it could have been, could have been fool's gold because as we saw, the Bills had two 80-yard rushers against the Cleveland Browns. Is that what's, what we're going to be looking for going forward, the evolution of this team under Mike McDaniel offensively to a more balanced attack and the defense playing a little bit more conservatively and more to their strengths? Um, I mean, don't forget, McDaniel is a run guy, right? I mean, he comes mm-hmm. from a running background um, in terms of what he does, run game coordinator with the with the 49ers. And it takes a while for the for that run scheme to bed in in terms of the offensive line. We obviously just, Jeff Wilson's come over it with more difficult with Chase Edmonds because, you know, him learning a completely new scheme, not particularly au fait with the verbiage, with the the style of uh, of how you follow those blocks in that wide zone scheme etc because not really something you've done before so look you're not going to remove what makes the dolphins explosive but i think if you can balance that with a really good run game um, and jeff wilson just seems like the perfect fit the offensive line is playing really well in the run game as well um and you're using the pass to help set up the run i think there's you know there is a balance there but you're certainly not going to go away from those explosive deep shots or the explosive middle of the field plays with with Hill and Waddle and, and, and Trent Sherfield that we've been so used to. So I just think the emergence of the run game helps enormously because it just you, you just don't know where it's coming from next in terms of the offense because, you know, we can bust Jeff Wilson up the gut for seven, eight yards, second and two, you can do all sorts of things. Um, defensively, I, yeah, I think, you know, we're still waiting for the unicorn that is Byron Jones to return. I think that will actually help us return to some, some cover zero looks because it, it's something that the Dolphins do really well, especially when you've got really good blitzers. Javon Holland, for example. Jerome Baker's a good blitzer. Um, obviously, Brandon Jones was the best of the bunch, but he's done for the season. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, look, I think we're playing a we're playing a bad Houston Texans team. You don't want to overlook them, obviously. 
you know, they do have some players on offense. Damian Pierce has been outstanding as the, the rookie. Brandon Cooks is still a good player. You know, they can, two really good tackles. Obviously, you know, the hero of the Miami Dolphins, Laramie Tuntle returns and hopefully he gets a guard of honor <laughs> and um, the unveiling of his statue. Titus Howard's playing really well on the other side. Um, but I think there's question marks now. Um, it's unfortunate because it looked like Davis Mills was kind of progressing earlier in the season. But, you know, it feels like Bryce Young is the is the guy that's heading to to Houston and actually talk of whether or not Kyle Allen might get the start against the Dolphins uh, coming up. So I think this is not a game that you can look past and you hope that the Dolphins have been focused on the Texans in the bye week and, you know, and not overlooking forward to the 49ers and the Chargers and the Bills and those challenges that, that come. Because, look, I know they got blown out the weekend and I know their record is what they are, but I also watched them play on either Monday night or Thursday night against the Eagles. Yeah, they look up badly. You know, this was the and this was an unbeaten Eagles team and that, you know, they were going up and down the field with the Eagles for a little while and, and it wasn't a blowout. They they played it close. They played it tough. Mills was able to move the ball pretty well. You know, they've got and like I said, Damian Pierce is a really good running back. Uh so I think um you know, I don't want to say trap game, but you know, you kind of don't want to be looking ahead down the field to what's to come and ignore a team like Houston who can come and bite you on the arse. Um, and that really, you know, if the Dolphins lose, that's a real kind of maelstrom in terms of getting back into the, you know, you're right into the very heart of the dog fight for the wild card here. Whereas, you know, you, you just want to go to eight and three and get out of the way and then really focus on that swing trip out to California and see, you know, at worst, can you go one and one in, you know, with those two games? So, you know, let's get this out of the way. Let's, I mean, the, the thing about the Texans is that, you know, you kind of don't want Lovey Smith to get fired because, you know, you can't really, it's not progressive to go year after year, new head coach, new head coach, new head coach. There's got to be some continuity at some point. But also there's got to be some sort of sense of improvement and you're not really seeing that in the in what the Texans are putting out on the field. And and that's got to be the biggest frustration. Chris, uh, you know, I think Simon said it best, like the offense will be completely unlocked if they do achieve this balance. But you have that that the usage argument in the NBA, okay, which kind of goes like this. You don't want Joe Blow touching the ball when LeBron James could be touching it more, right? So if you're taking snaps away that are dedicated to targets for Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, aren't you actually like damaging your offense for the sake of balance? Not that I believe this, but that's the, the counter argument to try to just balance this team out for the sake of it. You you agree with that, Chris? Yeah, I think that the, um, I think there is. So, so from the start of this, if you had to identify the, from a personnel standpoint, what, who are the Miami Dolphins? Um, I, the coaching staff would be one thing and the personnel is another, you know, like the coaching staff that all came in was, um, you know, run, run, run. Uh, you know, they're, they're all about, the offensive line and the the run scheme and everything like that. And then you look at the personnel and it's like, well, you know, okay, but we didn't think about at the time, you know, Chase Edmonds and, um, and, and Raheem Mostert, Mostert, is he going to be healthy? Is, what's he going to contribute? You know, Chase Edmonds, what's it going to be like in the scheme, which obviously didn't work out. Um, you know, it, it was a pass offense the way it's built. You know, Tua, I know that he had some unanswered questions heading into this season, but also I, I thought that he had answered more questions already than people gave him credit for. 
Um, but he's got Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill and Mike Gesicki and, you know, Cedric Wilson, although he hasn't really panned out. But at the time, you know, it was kind of we were kind of thinking that that was a boon. Uh, Teron Armstead now blocking the left side at left tackle. This is a pass offense, you know, and um, and I think that it still is. But I think they're also in in a in a really nice position of being able to do whatever the def- defense uh, gives them now, you know, because um, if the defense is going to be scared, you know, scared shitless of um, of Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, which they should be, and and most defenses that are playing us, you see the spacing that they're they're playing the Dolphins. They are. Um, if they're going to do that, then there are going to be opportunities for Mike McDaniel to to you know getting his bag in the run um, and to have Jeff Wilson have a 120 yard day plus Raheem Mostert and other, you know, um, I think that uh, they, they can opportunistically because those guys are fast, particularly Raheem Mostert, um, they can make big plays. Uh, yeah. They have the ability to actually just, you know, go where the defense isn't. Um, and that's going to be interesting to watch unfold because I, I think it is going to be defense dictated almost at this point. Um, and, and we're, we're going to see games that play out according to either how the scoreboard is playing out. You know, if we get behind, it's going to be pass, pass, pass. It's going to be 11 personnel with Mike Kosicki in there, um, which is basically like having four wide receiver personnel. Um, and, and we're going to see that. But if it's uh, if the scoreboard's OK, and the defense or the defense is sort of emptying the box against us, then we're going to see the some productive running back uh, action with Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. Pretty clear. Um, so that's that's nice. It's a good place to be in. Uh, defensively, though, I'd caution. Uh, we did get a nice piece of evidence that uh, that this four man rush, you know, approach could work because they blitzed the uh the Jacoby Brissett like the least of about tied for the least amount that they blitzed any other quarterback this year um so they didn't really blitz him that much and yet they got the highest pressure rate that that they've achieved all year against Jacoby Brissett and that, that was against a very good pass protecting offensive line so very promising but I would caution against this because this is still you know Josh Boyer's the defensive coordinator he pretty much he pretty much rules over the defense there. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. You know, just because we think he should do something, that's not mean he's going to, you know, like yeah. he might, he might stay true to his, you know, his self and, and his background, you know, coming from new England and, um, and what he did, what the dolphins have done over the last couple of years, just because we think that that this makes sense and this is what's going to happen doesn't mean for all we know he, blitz, he next week against the Texans he blitzes you know Davis Mills or Kyle Allen on half the plays <laughs> you know yeah. like you know, we we don't know we don't know and we we may sit here and, and criticize him if he does do that or or whatever but we just we just don't know and uh, so we have to see it play out it's we did get a data point and i felt that felt like it was a pretty important one against the cleveland browns but i i would really i would really caution against acting like we know what's going to happen because um i don't think we do you know and especially with guys you know from that school you know josh boyer the the school of coaching that he comes from um be careful be careful about what you know thinking that they're going to change all of a sudden because it makes sense. All right. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch if if anything else. 
All right. When we come back, we'll talk about the game and we'll talk about that Thanksgiving slate. But first, these words. Do you have a water leak and can't find where it's coming from? Are you dealing with water or mold damage in your home or business? Then call Water Cleanup of Florida at 954-579-0356 for immediate assistance. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, and their team is prepared to handle all types of leak detection issues. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. After the leak has been located and repaired, Water Cleanup of Florida will then clean, dry, and fully restore the damaged areas. Water Cleanup of Florida is fully licensed, insured, and certified to provide the one-stop shopping that busy homeowners and business owners require. There is no need to bring in other contractors. They will handle the entire project from start to finish. Service areas include Miami, Broward, and Palm Beach counties. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone at 954 579 That's 954 954- Five seven nine zero three five six, or visit their website at wcufl.com. Water cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, and we're back. All right, Simon, the, te- the Texans are coming into town, and I had no idea that some of these guys were on this team, but did you know that O.J. Howard is a starting tenant on this team? I did. <clears throat> I did. Like I didn't, uh, I had no idea he he made his way, he moseyed his way over to, to the Texans, and now he's the tight end over there. So also Brevin Jordan, yeah. it's a who's who. This entire team is a who's who of like discarded actual, you know, pretty good players. First of all, Derek Stinley, is he having a good season? Because yeah, he's playing all right. He's playing all right. I mean, they've got two young rookies in the in the secondary playing well. Jalen Petrie, the second round pick out of Baylor, and and Stingley is playing pretty well. So. I mean, the, the the best player on that defense is Jerry Hughes, who's having a absolutely great season. Were um, you surprised they didn't trade him? Because he he has value. He had value at the trade deadline. If you're a contender, like Jerry Hughes is still a good pass rusher. Yeah, him and Brandon Cooks, you kind of felt like they were gonna they were gonna be on the on the way out, but didn't happen. Um, it's kind of a weird situation there, isn't it? In terms of you know exactly what's going on, and I think uh, what's his name's now left, hasn't he? The um the really weird Jack used to be. I think yeah. Casero sort of got full. I mean, I, I can't see Casero necessarily lasting particularly um, particularly long in that role. But yeah, I mean, they've got some, you know, there's, there's some guys on defense that that can play a little bit. But, you know, I mean, our old friend Neville Hewitt's, uh, <laughs> our old friend Neville Hewitt's there, but generally it's, you know, it's the worst roster in the league and, and yeah, and and what a fall from grace from for Desmond King. The guy was an All Pro, yeah. and now he's the Nickelback on this team, and not a very good one, evidently. Uh, he's having an awful season, although he has an interception. But uh, um, what a fall breaking, from grace for him, huh? A little bit of breaking college news. Uh, where is who is going to be the new head coach of Auburn? Uh, Jimmy Johnson, Lane Kiffin. Is leaving Ole Miss to become wow, whoa, head coach. Like that's a move. Lane Kiffin plans to step down as the Rebels' head coach on Friday and head to Auburn to become the new Tigers' head coach, according to multiple sources. 
And is that is 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 that kind of cool that he's gonna go to Auburn of all places where he gets to stare at Nick Saban in the biggest rivalry in college football, I would say. Every single year. Interesting stuff. Right. Like like they didn't necessarily part in the best of ways, right? No, although I think they've kind of made it up um, pretty significantly over the over the years. So. Although now taking that Auburn job, you think Nick Saban, uh, you know, not to get into the guy's head anymore, but do you think Nick Saban looks at him and and says, "Look at this asshole taking taking the Auburn job," like he's going to try to run me out of college football? I'm going to coach another t- thirty years. Yeah. Do you think he looks at it and resents it, or he's Maybe. generally happy for his former coach? I think he's probably generally happy. Uh, I don't. Think, I, I refuse to believe he's a, as much of an asshole as he makes out in his public persona. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think he's. I think he's about it. I think he's about equally uh, an asshole to what everybody <laughs> thinks he is. Like, <laughs> like, like they. It, it, it's about right. I think we have it about right. Yeah. By the way, I, I was speaking to somebody yesterday as the Detroit, as the Detroit Lions, as the because I have them on my in my head because they're they're on a three game winning streak. By the way, and they're at home against the Buffalo Bills, so that's going to be an interesting game that we're going to talk about. But. Uh, as the Dallas Cowboys were absolutely annihilating the the Minnesota Vikings yesterday, um, I was told that actually Brandon Cooks was on his way to Dallas, but sheer incompetence by both front offenses, both front offices did not complete the deal in time because there was supposed to be some type of salary swap. Okay, so there is that he's actually playing because he got into his feelings that he didn't get hurt, he didn't get dealt at the deadline. But he actually played last week, so he'll play this this Sunday against the Dolphins. I don't think we're going to talk too much more about this game before we move on to the, the Thanksgiving slate. So let's just pick this game. Is it going to be as you go first, Simon? Is it going to be as lopsided as the odds makers seem to make it make it out to be? Because the Dolphins are a twelve and a half point favorite. Yeah, I'm going Miami forty two, Houston fourteen. Nice, a nice forty burger. Uh, although Jason Sanders has to make extra points to get to 42. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I remind you of that. Uh, by the way, Barry Jackson, uh, any, anything you, uh, Barry Jackson says, uh, summer, Jason Sanders gets uh competition surprised. No, I, I think every kicker gets competition. Every, every player generally gets competition. So no, it shouldn't be a surprise that a guy who's having a bit of a struggle this year has some competition. So no, I'm not surprised at all. I, I, I very much doubt Jason Sanders. Is surprised either, so yeah, I, I, you know, I'd hate to be in his head right now because he's essentially the only thing on the team that is looking iffy right now at this moment. Hopefully, hit some big kicks soon in some big games, and you know, we got some of them coming up. Uh, I'll go next. Yeah, I think that the Dolphins, I, not to say that they'll go through the motions, but I think the Texans are going through the motions and they're eyeballing. Some of those, some of those draft picks that they're getting from for from uh, the Cleveland Browns and their own, I think that you know I, I, they're in that mode already. They know it. The season is over. I say the Dolphins. They don't get the forty burger, but it'll be a ho hum affair. Like the game will be over pretty much early, so they'll just count the clock down in the second half. Dolphins twenty seven, Texans ten. Chris, it's funny you, you're referring to the Texans as like a who's who, and I'm like, 
you know, a team. Yeah, it's like, it's a it's a closer to a who's who, you know. Like it's, <laughs> it's but I I think that this is a this is a perfect trap game. Uh, this is an absolutely perfect trap game. Coming off a bye week with the San Francisco 49ers one week ahead of the the Houston Texans. I think there is even a possibility that Mike McDaniel is going to take his eye off the ball a little bit, looking at that, looking forward and through to that San Francisco game, because he just came from San. I mean, this is that that's a that game is a big deal to him, you know, traveling out to San Francisco, and um, and he always has trouble. He always says he has trouble. He he just said this explicitly that he has trouble um, coaching against guys that he knows very well sometimes because, you know, he finds him, he second guesses himself and, and things like that. And so I, I think there's even a possibility he's looking forward through to that San Francisco game. Um, it's at home. So I think the team feels confident at home. They're coming off a bye week. So they've, uh, they've, you know, kind of, relaxed a little bit you know enjoyed the bye week and you know enjoyed some some vacation time they're getting back into the swing of things this week and and you know i i think i think that going into this game this could be like the perfect trap game because this is a terrible team they're they're uh they're favored by a lot and um and then you know then they jump up and bite you and i think this this could be something like and then add into the mix that Lovey Smith might make a change at quarterback from, uh, you know, from Davis Mills to uh, Kyle Allen, uh, who can play well at times. I mean, we've seen him play. He plays, he can play pretty well. Uh, and they won't have, you know, a lot on Kyle Allen if they do make that, um, that switch. I think that this is, this, you, you watch this, this is going to be like a 26 20 uncomfortable squeaker, you know, like where, where it's like, hey, we, we came away with a victory, but man, shoot <laughs> you know that, you know mm. thank god <laughs> you know and, and i think that um i think that that this is perfect this is perfect for exactly that all right and i'm moving on to this uh this thanksgiving slate which is a very afce centric thanksgiving slate and that's why we're gonna talk about it very briefly here uh simon lions have won three in a row since the dolphins defeated the detroit lions they've won three in a row can I interest you in an upset of the Buffalo Bills on Thursday at noon? I don't think it'd be an upset, but I did say in the Gridiron Magazine preseason preview that I thought the Lions would, would get a an NFC wild card. Um, I think it'll be close, actually. Um, Three-game winning streak. Um, I think the Bills will probably just squeak it out, but I think it'll be a lot closer than some people might think. All right. Chris, can I interest you in an upset? Of the Buffalo I think, Bills, I think it is going to be an upset. I think it. I think you're right, 100. I think that the Detroit Lions are rolling offensively. Um, you know, they're back. We we obviously had a couple of games where they scored like you know a zero against the Patriots and, and six against Dallas, but they had some injuries and such. Um, and I was worried about that offense going against Miami. And sure enough, I mean, how they started that game was against the Dolphins was impressive. And they've rolled uh, 31 on the, the Bears, 31 on the Giants. Um, you know, I think that this is an upset. This is this is definitely – and think about this also. The Bills have a very quick turnaround, right? So mm-hmm. they just they just played there on Sunday. They had that big drama about how, how they're going to get out of Buffalo and get to Detroit. And well, they, they made it out of Buffalo and they made it to Detroit. But now they're going back to Buffalo – and then yeah. they're going back to Detroit. They're not staying in Detroit, mm-hmm. right? 
Yeah. And um, yeah, the NFL and, is forcing them to to fly home. And that that is that is kind of I don't know if that's official or if that's that's but that was kind of my guess is um is the NFL didn't want to give them such a leg up, you know, so they're so they're like, you know, yeah, you you got to go back home. So they're going back to Buffalo and then back to Detroit again. And so quick turnaround with so much traveling and, you know, with all the drama surrounding like the big blizzard and stuff like that. I think that this is this is a letdown game for them. This is this is a game where they could look like a little out of gas or, you know, um, and the Detroit Lions, you know, playing at home. Um, Dan Campbell's going to, you know, he's going to throw some chairs around the locker room and break some. They're going to bite some kneecaps. Yeah, you know, he's going to buy some kneecaps and maybe even uh, maybe even borrows from the Buffalo tradition and breaks a few tables uh, himself. You know, I I, I think I, I really think that this is an upset. Uh, I would go with the Lions here. Yeah, I think uh, I think it'll be a great game. I think the Lions will be ahead for most of the game. And I think we're going to get our heart broken once again, as we hate watch the Buffalo Bills. I don't know. Tyler Bass, who who's, who's a monster, by the way, he never misses a kick. He hits the game winner, I think. All right, moving on. Giants Cowboys. Uh Simon, did you have the the, the Cowboys smoking the, the Minnesota Vikings 40 to 3 in your dance no, card? Not not uh, I thought the Cowboys would win and I thought there'd be a bit of a sort of a bounce back from the Vikings having had that sort of emotional victory over the Bills. I don't think the Vikings are very good. Um and actually the Bills just kind of blew that game at the end rather than the Vikings won it and it was like a superhuman performance from Justin Jefferson. I actually think the Patriots will play them close but I think the Vikings will probably win. Um, but I think again, I think it's a really good slate of games on um, on Thanksgiving. I think this will be a really good game as well and if it was in New England I think the Patriots will probably win. I kind of feel like Minnesota might just squeak it out because of home field advantage but I think it'll be tight. Uh, all right. now You jumped ahead to the Patriots-Vikings but I asked you about Giants-Cowboys. Uh, how good are the Cowboys? If I told you they're the best team in the NFC, would you believe me? Um, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, uh, and if they can bring Odell Beckham into that wide receiver mix as well, uh, it feels like they've done a, a really good thing in sort of slightly sidelining Ezekiel Elliott for Tony Pollard, who's just um, explosive in the pass game, explosive in the run game. Um, Dak's playing okay. Defense is, you know, they've just got this superhuman alien at, at linebacker, defensive end, safety, cornerback, wherever the hell Micah Parsons wants to line up. Um, so they can get to the quarterback rushing four. They can play pretty well in the back end. They've got a good kicking game. I'm not the biggest Mike McCarthy fan, but he's won a Super Bowl. Dan Quinn is an absolutely tremendous defensive coordinator. They're tough out. Nobody wants to play the Cowboys in the playoffs. So, um, yeah, and in a weak NFC, you know, it wouldn't surprise you if they went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and and so so the Giants come back way way back down to earth for the second straight week, uh, and their slow steady decline continues. You would agree with that, right? Because yeah, I do too. 100%. Yeah, Cowboys. Yeah. I think that there's going to be they're going to win this game comfortably. Uh, Chris, any any thoughts on that game? Yeah, um... how good the Cowboys are. I just, I just think, in a gen- generally speaking, the the Giants are in the midst of a slide. You know, after after a hot start, you know they've they've dropped two of the last three games, and the one that they won was against the Texans, who you know establishes a if they're not the worst team in the NFL, um, which doesn't mean they they can't jump up and bite us as a trap game, but they you know they're they're clearly one of the worst teams in the NFL. Um, I think that they're they're just not going to get control of this slide in time for a road game off a short week 
against the Dallas Cowboys. And meanwhile, the Dallas Cowboys, when you look at the last game, um, you know, they they clearly earned that victory against the Minnesota Vikings on the road. Um, and, and so I think that they're going to be rolling, like they're going to carry momentum into that, you know, uh, it's not going to be a snapback or a letdown. I think they're going to carry momentum into, into this, uh, game against the giants and the giants are, are kind of, you know, floundering at this point. All right. And now, uh, it's the biggest game I think in the slate. I think it's the best game Vikings Patriots. Now here's the problem. You look at that, and if you're a Dolphin fan and you hate watching all these games, you're thinking to yourself, okay, our plan is coming together because all these teams are just going to lose because they're inferior to these other teams. problem is that Kirk Cousins is now playing at night in this game. And I don't know how the hell this happened, but it's just a fact. His career started 0-9 in primetime games. It reached a point to where now in primetime games, after a winning streak, he's still 10-18. and which is the worst record of any starting quarterback in the NFL as far as win percentage at night. Uh, you kind of talked about it a little bit, Simon. You can, And I sense that you kind of like the Patriots on the road here. Yeah, I mean, I think they can run the ball. They've got a good offensive line. Defense is playing well, as we talked about earlier. So I don't think the Vikings are as good as their record. Um, so, again, I think it'll be another close game. I think it'll be another good game. It's a really good Thanksgiving slate. And... Like I said, I, I think if it was a Foxborough, I'd take the Patriots. I think I'd probably just favor the favor the um the Vikings, but I do expect a bounce back from the Patriots after that fairly inept offensive performance on Sunday. Yeah, I go. I'll go next. Uh, after losing forty to three, staying at home for thir- on Thursday, and then the Patriots. I don't know. They, they scored three points. You know, <laughs> and I understand the Jets have a fabulous defense. They have a really good defense, but man, they scored three points. They had one red zone trip. I don't see how the Patriots muster enough offense to beat the Vikings. And I understand the Vikings themselves just scored three points. But, you know, something has to give in this game. And I think it'll be the Patriots. Uh, Vikings win uh, a boring affair, I'd say 20 to 16. Uh, your thoughts on this one, Chris? It's really, this one's a really tough one, I think, for me, because I don't like teams coming off an, a victory that, you know, I don't. I don't feel like the Patriots earned victory against the Giant, uh, the Jets. Um, I don't think any team earned victory against each other in that game. It was, you know, it was, it was really. So it's it's tough. I don't. I don't like situations where you come off having won the game in the final seconds because of a big punt return. Um, you know, and so, and I don't, I don't think the Patriots' offensive issues. You know, it's it's not like things are coalescing and you know coming together. Uh, and I don't see where they're getting the relief from um, for their offensive issues. Uh, but you know, on the other hand, you know, always trust always trust the Minnesota Vikings to disappoint, um, especially when you know when the the big lights are on. Um, yeah, Kirk Cousins you, is a vampire in reverse. To. Yeah, he's a vampire yeah. in reverse. <laughs> Yeah, as you alluded to, you know, like uh, Kirk Cousins, yeah, you know, let's trust him. And they're coming off that 43 embarrassment, 40 to 3 embarrassment. Are they going to bounce back from that? Or is this just, are they going to still be reeling from that? Like, I kind of throw a coin flip on that. Um, I would normally say, okay, they're going to bounce back from from that kind of outing. Um, But are they? You know? (laughs) So so this is a really tough one, too, for me to – you know, go on, but I'm just going to have to go with the home team, the team that doesn't have to travel on a short week. 
you know, that's cheap, but that's the way that I'm going to play it. All right. Enjoy the slate. Um, enjoy whatever you're eating as well. Uh, hate watch the Bills. Hate watch the Patriots. Hopefully we, you know, we, we run the table on Thanksgiving and then run the table on Sunday, and that gives us even more breathing room. And then, of course, we'll be here on Monday to talk about the game on Sunday. But till then. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. 